night worship was awesome, right? Come on, everybody. Is everybody in a better mood? Yeah, thank you. Anybody in a better mood because of the weather? How about that? You know, it's not 100 degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning. Praise God. Hey, listen, so uh, Kevin mentioned that I've been a friend of this church for a long time, and for about six years, I was over all the, uh, with New Life Church, over all the new campuses that we planted. As a matter of fact, when this became New Life Church in the old building, uh, I had worked with Kevin and the team and helped put some things together, and, and so we did three campuses that year. We did Russellville, Searcy, and Fayetteville in one year, and that's now is called a slow year with New Life because we're doing a lot of campuses. Um, it, it's just amazing, and now I'm over the Conway campus, which is nice because uh, I had traveled, man, I, I traveled uh, 75,000 miles in two years traveling to campuses and doing things and like checking on people, and I'm just telling you, my windshield killed a lot of bugs. I mean, in the, in the billions of bugs, I think, that, that I had killed, so I'm responsible for that at least, um, but I love this church. I don't think you know uh, exactly how great this church is and can be for the city of Circe. I'm just telling you that you need to open your eyes a little bigger. The Bible says, lift up your eyes because the harvest is there. And I'm just believing that right here in Circe, there's more that's going to happen, especially as school comes back and everything. And uh, so I love your pastor and his family. Um, you know, one thing, I always joke with him. I think I mentioned this a couple of years ago when I was here. And, uh, and that is that they like to go to Florida a lot. You ever notice that they, they show pictures from the beach sometimes, okay, on social media? And, and so he, they go to the beach a couple of times, and, but the weird thing is is that he'll talk to us pastors, his friends, and say, well, I took my shirt off, got my shirt off. I was like, well, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't want to make any comments about his physique or anything, but um, I will say that Kevin is the whitest person I've ever seen in my life, so much so that I think he gives the sand a sunburn. So it's, it's rough, okay? And uh, so I just, I just love them. He's a good pastor, right? He's a pretty good pastor? All right. Um, not everybody has a pastor that good. And so, well, good. I, I agree. And so, but if you know anything about me... Um, so my kids, I have three kids, two of them live in New York City, they work really big jobs that they're doing there, and they're, you know, they're still uh, kind of young. I have one that just graduated from Baylor University, and so uh, he's uh, now working, he's worked his third week in Houston, and um, he's off the company payroll, I don't have to pay for his school or his expenses anymore, it's a blessing in life, you know, God is good, but uh, we for his graduation, I thought one big thing, uh, let's, I'm going to take him to Europe for a vacation. Now, of course, I was taking me to Europe and using him as the excuse. So we did that. We did a lot of touristy things. I rented a car for, for 11 days. It was amazing. And then, uh, so we did some touristy things like this. I think you can see the picture there. Somebody has to hold that building up. But uh, it's a lot smaller than you thought it would be, right? Now, there's a Every two hours, there's people out there doing these pictures, and I have, and so uh, I did, it's really a, it's in Pisa, it's a beautiful town, uh, but we did a lot of different things, you can take that off, my eyes are closed. And so we did that, went to Europe, went to uh, Switzerland, Italy, and France, and just had the best time ever, and uh, then I came back to Arkansas, and then my daughter, a week later, on July 4th, turns 30, 
Okay, so she was born on July 4th. And she lives in New York, so we have to fly back to New York, all the family, and celebrate her 30th birthday because, uh, anyway, it's, uh, you know, uh, we did it and went to the Hamptons. Anybody ever heard of the Hamptons? Like, it's a, it's all right. I'd rather go to Florida. You know, even Gulf Shores, I'd rather go there. But So we're, we're out in the Hamptons, and everybody's pretty wealthy in the Hamptons, okay? So we're sitting on this, be- this bench, and my daughter's shopping, and this older guy comes by, and, hey, what are y'all doing? You know, and I look up, and there's a guy with a kind of a, a gray beard, and kind of, you know, and uh, so I turn back around, and my kids punch me, Dad, that's Jay Leno. And sure enough, I turn around, <laughs> it's Jay Leno, okay? So I'm like, I'm an idiot. So we, we get up, we talk for about a minute, and then he goes on, and, you know, nice guy, he initiated everything. And when he left, my son, my youngest, said, Dad, I don't know what they do on TV, but his chin is way bigger in real life than it is on TV. Okay, like, I mean, massive. Like, I don't know how he carries that thing around with him. And so I started thinking about it, and uh, it was true. It was really true. It was like, God, this guy has the chin, this beautiful, huge chin, and I've got the chin of a goldfish, okay? It's like, this is what you gave me. It's like he stood in line and got the good chin, and I forgot to stand in line. I don't know. So here I, well, you know, here I am, you know. And so uh, I thought about it. It's like, how can you give him that trophy? And whatever. So, and then not only that, we, we uh, there were more Ferraris and, and Maseratis and, uh, you know, whatever kind of Lamborghini, like all these cars, Bentleys, Rolls. There were more cars. Like the poor people that were driving Mercedes, Okay. That's the really poor people in the Hamptons. So we were there driving a Kia rent car, and uh, it, we were happy. But um, So then we, we took for, on July 4th, we took my daughter on her birthday on this little boat ride, you know, not a big boat. And he said, yeah, uh, he started pointing out the boats. And uh, like a little bitty boat, a million dollars. He goes, there's a $5 million boat. He got all the way up. There were like three or four boats in the $15 million range, a yacht. Okay, and so then he said, and then he showed us where Jimmy Buffett's house was and Matt Lauer and all these other people. And there's, there's a $30 million house. There's a $40 million house. Now, I used to think I was fairly successful, okay? But now I realize that I'm not successful at all. I couldn't afford the Windex on a $15 million yacht. And uh, I'm just telling you, it, it was crazy. We joked about like, well, let's get a vacation home here. Like, yeah, thanks. You know, so, so I started feeling kind of like, I, I started feeling pretty inferior. I thought I was okay until I got there. And I started feeling kind of inferior. And so today I'm using all this. I want to talk about envy. All right? Not massage envy, envy, all right? So what I want to do, we're in a summer series, the last week of it, called Did You Know? And I just want to say, did you know that envy can cause you to slip? You'll see where the Scripture says that in just a moment. Uh, Envy is is a strong topic. It's going to be kind of strong, but I want you to relax because it's not going to be condemning at all because I'm just, I'm talking about something that I deal with. And I don't want to be hard on me, okay? So it's going to be pretty easy. And then second of all, New Life Church doesn't do that. We don't like to throw out condemnation on it. Aren't you glad that we're not like that? So we're not going to do that. We may even laugh about it a little bit, 
But I want to give you a definition of envy. And I found this in Webster, uh, Webster's Dictionary. It says, uh, envy, a painful or resentful awareness. That's a good start, right? Painful, resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. In other words, you see something that someone else has, you want it, and it's painful to you. Now, this is not jealousy. Jealousy is different than envy in that jealousy usually relates to a person that you want, not a thing that you want that someone else has. Now, jealousy is about wanting someone to love you more than anything else and wanting to know where they are and what they're doing and why are they not saying enough nice things to you. And if they say something nice to somebody else, you don't like it because it's not about you and it has a lot to do with control And uh, I'm not going to talk about jealousy, but I'm just going to say that if you're jealous, please stop it. You do the world a favor, okay? And uh, that's my sermon on jealousy, okay? All right? Let's have an altar call. All right. Um, It's not healthy. But envy is about somebody having something, a possession or an advantage that you don't have, and you're mad about it. You're really mad about it. There is something that you can call good envy. Okay, it's not really envy, but you could call it good envy. Like, if you notice somebody that has a good work ethic, right? They, they're successful, they have a good work ethic, and you go, I want to be more like that. I want to learn from them how to be good at what I do. That's not really envy. Or you could say, a woman could say, man, that lady has, has such a good walk with the Lord. I, wanna, I really want to be more like that lady and, and see what I can do to be around her and get closer to the Lord because I want to have... That, that's really not envy, and the reason is is because you're willing to do something about it. Uh, bad envy is the opposite. You don't care about doing anything about it. You're just mad that they have something that you don't have. And so it causes resentment and strife and pain. And uh, people that say it's not fair. Anybody ever said it's not fair before? That's envy. That is, what, that is, that is the language of envy. So here's what we're going to do. In the Bible, there's a psalm that is often uh, referred to as the envy psalm in the Bible. It's Psalm 73, and it's written not by David, but it's written by Asaph, who was the lead worship leader that David appointed. And so this is one of the psalms of Asaph. And uh, what you'll find is it gets very honest. And so uh, in verse 1, Psalm 73, in verse 1, It says this. He starts out really good, the first sentence. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. That's a good start, right? But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Okay, look up here. It's kind of like picture on the edge of a cliff. God's good, but as for me, hey, man. I love kids. But as for me, my feet were almost slipping. I I almost fell. I I was almost gone. This is the psalmist talking about something in his life that would cause him to literally fall and die. What could that be? Look at the next verse. For I what? For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. 
Their body's healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everybody. The writer's saying, it's not fair, God. It is not fair. Aren't you glad? This is one thing I love about the Bible is that it's honest. Aren't you glad that he puts something in the Bible that is that bluntly honest? God, I'm here and these people are just, they don't have any troubles in their life. It's just not fair. Verse, verse 12, it says this. It says, look at these wicked people. I call them wicked. Look at them wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then look what he says. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Anybody ever said that before? When I look at the world, did I just, am I living my life like a Christian for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long, Lord. Every morning brings me pain. Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? That somebody could be that bluntly honest that I'm about to fall, I'm about to die because I'm looking at the unfairness that is in the world and I have envy. Uh, This is the picture of what envy truly looks like. Now, on the side note, I have some envy. I'm going to confess my envy to you. I don't have a grandchild. That's why I love kids so much. I don't have a grandchild. So, Julie, if you're listening, I just want you to know I'm really praying for you hard right now. And uh, you are 30, by the way, so, you know, you better get on it. Um, So this isn't going to be a heavy message, but I do want to give you a couple of verses to kind of let you know how God looks at envy. And uh, in Proverbs 14.30, it says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. (laughs) Tell us what you really think, Lord. James 3, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Envy's dangerous. Envy will cause you to slip. Envy will cause you to fall and take you further than you want to go. It is dangerous, and that's why the Lord, I mean, if you do a study on envy, just get into your, uh, your Bible app and look, you'll find scriptures that are even more strong than that. You want something that someone else has, has, and you'll do anything to get it, except maybe work for it. But it'll take you, because you see the unfairness, it'll take you away from God, it'll take you further than you want to go, and sometimes we'll have to find our way back. In in Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about like in the last days when people's hearts become really evil, here's what's going to happen. He goes, there's going to be every kind of, 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 of evil, every type of evil, every type of depravity. And then it lists them. And the first thing he listened, he goes, yes, they'll be filled with envy. And the second thing he mentions, and there will be murder in that order. So it'd be like Pastor Kevin, somebody, one of you coming up to Pastor Kevin and Kevin, I've, I've got a real problem. What is it, man? I, I just got to confess something. What is it? Well, I murdered somebody last month. And he'd say, well, at least you didn't envy. You know, whew, thank God for that, right? You know, envy has been around since the very beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve, you know, when, when God put them in the garden, he said, look, you can have 
every tree that I've created, and I'm a good creator. You can have every one of them except this one. Don't have that. And so what happens? The enemy, the serpent comes in and takes advantage of that one thing that you're not supposed to have and says, why doesn't God want you to have that? Well, see, because if you eat that, you'll be like God. And it caused envy to come up. And actually, envy was one of the roots of the original sin because she forgot to look at what she had. She started only looking at what she didn't have. Don't we do that sometimes? We forget the blessings of God. It says in, in Genesis 3, she saw that the fruit was good and it was pleasing and desirable. Well, guess what? Everything that God gave her was good and pleasing and it was desirable. But not that really. So she, was, she took her eyes off of all that God gave her to look at what she didn't have. And that is the trip. That is the slipping part of, of envy. Cain and Abel, their, their kids, Cain and Abel. So uh, Abel brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to the Lord, but Cain didn't. And so Cain could have said, here's what the Bible could have read. Cain decided that, man, my, my brother did it right. I want to learn from him, and I want to go get it right, and I'm going to give God a good offering because I learned something. No, he took him out into the woods and killed him because he envied the approval that he had and wouldn't do anything. About. There's, a, there's a lot of examples of this in the Bible. I'm, there's just I could go on about Saul and David and envy there and what it costs Saul to do. So what I want to do, the title of this is going to, how do we... How do we uh, keep our feet from slipping into envy, falling down that cliff and slipping into envy. And so, number one, I'm going to give you three quick things and we'll be gone, all right? Is that good? Y'all with me? First one is, don't compare yourself with others. If you have notes in front of you, that's what it says. And uh, this is kind of harder than it sounds because we're all trained to, like, no matter what you're in, whether it be athletics, cheerleading, uh, it could be uh, studies, it could be job. We're taught to, to achieve and be better than that extra person, uh, that other person. And, and uh, I'm not talking about things that we use to motivate ourselves. I'm talking about things that we notice that we have no desire to motivate ourselves. One philosopher put it this way. I love this. this uh, I read this when I was preparing for the message. It says, envy is the religion of the mediocre who do not strive to be better, but they only complain about the fortune of others. Galatians 6 says, let everyone be sure that he is doing his or her very best. Let, let him do his very best or her very best, for then he will have the personal satisfaction of work well done and won't need to compare himself with someone else. We only compare ourselves when we're not doing what God has called us to do. Envy runs throughout all of our culture because we believe that we have to have things to be satisfied. Now, I don't know about you, uh, if you've been around ministry very much. I, I didn't grow up in ministry. I was a business guy. And one of the things I notice about ministry is that ministry can be one of the most competitive places that you'll ever find. How many does your church have? How many did you baptize? You're around a bunch of pastors. It could be the the most envious place you'd ever want to be. That's just an admission. I've been around it. And Paul knew this because they were comparing things and, 
And Paul spoke out in in 2 Corinthians, and he says, we do not dare, we don't even dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. For when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're just not wise. And I'm telling you, that's in ministry, that's in business, and that's in everywhere. There's one man that envied his wife so bad. He was so mad because she got to stay at home and he had to go work eight or ten hours a day and sometimes on Saturday. So he he just prayed. He said, like, Lord, it's just kind of, I'm just mad about it. I envy this. I just wish that for a week my wife and I could trade bodies so that she would have to go see how hard I have it. Now, please, I just want you to say, don't try this at home, okay? Um, So the Lord said, you know, okay, I'm going to grant your wish. And so the next morning, the man woke up as his wife. And so at 5.30 in the morning, she started getting breakfast ready, uh, packing the lunch for the kids to go to school, uh, getting the kids' clothes ready, everything going, feeding everybody, putting the dishes aside, taking the kids to school, coming back, getting the laundry, taking it to the laundry, coming, stopping depositing money at the bank, coming back, paying the bills, balancing the checkbook, cleaning the cat litter box, feeding the dog, and it was 1 o'clock. <laughs> okay? Still had to do all the house cleaning and everything else. And so by 9 o'clock, it's time for him to go to bed and, you know, and, uh, and, and he has to go to bed and, and hug his wife without complaining and with a smile on his face, okay? So he realizes the next morning he wakes up and goes, Lord, I've made a big mistake. <laughs> I've made a really big mistake. And all the women said, all right, so he said, I made a big mistake, Lord, please forgive me. And could you please like undo my prayer and just put it back the way it was? And the Lord said, look, son, I'm glad you learned your lesson, and I'll be glad to switch things back to the way they were, but are you going to have to wait nine months because you got pregnant last night? All right? All right? Look, when we compare ourselves to other people, we don't know what it's like on the other side, right? We just don't know. You think, man, I wish I had a wife like that or a husband like that. You don't know what it's like in their home. Some of the people that look the greatest are the worst to be around. And don't elbow anybody right now, please. Nobody knows what the other person's dealing with. You can't compare yourself with other people. So that's the end of that point. <laughs> that was a funny story though, right? That was okay. All right. You're going to forget everything else I said today except that story? Okay. The second point is this, is that we need to be content with what we have. Um, there, there are reasons that we have what we have. Like there are decisions that we made in our life that have put us in the place where we are. Like I'm not a doctor, okay? Um, I didn't go to med school. I didn't go to pre-med. I didn't decide to pay the price financially and everything else to become a doctor. So I'm not a doctor. That was my choice through a series of choices that I made, and that's where I am where I am. But there are some things where we are that have nothing to do with our choices. Some of us, we, we got into an abusive family, or we got cheated, or we got hurt. Something happened, and, and it changed our life in a way that's not positive. But I don't care. No matter which way it is for you, whether it's your choice or whether it's something that happened to you, how many of you know 
that God wants you to be content no matter what right now. And it may be hard for you to do it, but that's, that's the provision of God. And Paul said this in Philippians 4. I love this verse. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How many of you have ever heard that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? You've heard that verse? Did you know that the context of that verse is contentment? It's not about doing anything you want because God gives me strength. It's I can do anything. I can live with little. I can live with a lot. I can live in each and every circumstance because he gives me strength and I can be content. And that's the context of why that verse is in the Bible in the first place. Have you ever heard of Socrates? He's the, the uh, philosopher that kind of, he's the founder of like Western philosophy. And he said this is, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. <laughs> you want me to read that again? He was not contented with what he has, would not be contented with what he'd like to have. Now, when I moved my family here, this has been almost 16 years ago, we moved our family here, and um, we bought this really big house. And so let me just say this on the side. If you're building a house or buying a house, I just want to say to you guys, buying the house is not the expensive part. Because the house note is the house note. But then you got window coverings and furniture, and then you got like everything that the wife wants in that house. And God forbid that you have a room that's not perfectly well appointed. So we had this big old house that had like six or seven bedrooms, I forget how many. It was just a monstrous house. We, we used it. We had people stay with us. We par had parties in it and everything. But then my wife passed away about four and a half years ago, and then my kids all left. Two of them are in New York, and, and my son went off to Baylor University, and I remember like, I'm stuck in this big house by myself. So uh, eventually I thought, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to sell this house. And I, I started to say, okay, so what do I have to do? I have to get everything out. And so I started looking at that. Why do I have 30 tablecloths and I only have one table? Like, there's a tablecloth for Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the day before Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, you name it. And I, had, I had a placemat for everything. And so, you know, all this. And then I would, I would go look and there would be like, I have two or three hundred uh, placemats. And, and uh, like I had a hundred pounds of stationery. Nobody used stationery anymore. We couldn't throw anything away. Do you know what the definition of a bargain is? A bargain is something you can't use at a price you can't resist. And so, I mean, I remember opening this thing and like candles, like a world of candles. Like how many candles can you burn? I would have caused an energy crisis had I burned all those candles. It was just so many things. So I was just, I was shocked to see all this stuff. And so uh, every, for years, we would do Amazon Prime. And we had all, every kind of nutritional, like vitamin that you could ever imagine. And so, so the, the FedEx guy would show up and just say, hey, look, sign here, stupid, you know, because you're getting more stuff again. It was terrible. Um, so when I moved, 
I moved into a house one-fifth of the size, trust me. That's how big that house was, and I moved into one of my rent houses. And so I, I ended up having like an eight-foot pile of trash, like 12 feet wide, and some of the trash had price tags on it still. I just had to get, I didn't know what to do. I sold the house, and I said, they said, can we keep some of the furniture? I said, yes, please. And so then I loaded up a 26-foot truck to the Dream Center, sent it on. I, I was really more anxious to get rid of things than I ever was to buy them because in a way, instead of me owning them, they sort of owned me. And it just got to be the point that I wasn't content. What causes the lack of contentment that, uh, that you do all this? I, I love the story about the man whose wife lost her credit card. And uh, he decided that he wasn't going to call the police because the thief was spending less than his wife was, okay? And so uh, I could go both ways. Ladies, don't get mad. Proverbs 15 says this, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. It's like, Lord, please help me be content. There's a test that you can take to know if you're content or not. And you know what that test is? Are you thankful? It, thankfulness is the proof of contentment. Uh, psychologists say that if a person had a five-minute practice of thankfulness in their life, it could be a minute five times a day or however you do it, but five minutes of thankfulness a day that the incidences of depression and anger would, would subside greatly in a person's life by looking at what you do have instead of looking at what you don't have. There's the story of Jesus healing ten lepers. You know what a leper was? That person was awful. They didn't have a social life. They had to stay 50 feet away from people or more. They had to yell, I am a leper, get away. They couldn't get married. They couldn't have a job. They didn't have friends. They were outcasts. And on top of that, they hurt. And 10 of them come to Jesus. And he's like, you're healed. Like healed. Their whole life changed. And one came back to say hello. And one of the strongest things that Jesus ever says in the Bible, where are the other nine? Thankfulness is something that when He does something for you, He just wants you to say thanks. Can I have an amen on that, please? And the last point is this, and it's pretty short, but I just want to get to it and we'll, we'll pray, okay? And that is, uh, don't compare yourself with others. Please be content. And the last one is similar, is have a giving heart. Now, I'm not going to talk about how you give to the church and please give to the church. Ugh. You know, I will say that back in the day, my wife and I had a really old Honda uh, Civic with a hole in the floorboard that you could, like, lift the placemat, the uh, floor mat, and watch the road go by, okay? Like the Flintstones, you know? You ever seen the Flintstones? You know, you could almost do that. It was, it was a hole in the ground. And, but back in those days, we didn't have very much, but we decided, and I remember this very carefully, that we decided, you know what? We're going to tithe. And we did it. 
and we haven't looked back. We never looked back since, and God has blessed us. Now, that's all I'm going to say about that. That's an obedience issue, but what I want to talk about is different than that. What I want to talk about is that we're created in the image of God, right? Didn't the Bible say that? What is God's image? Well, God's image is that God is love, and God so loved the world that He that He gave. He says, He who spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how would He not freely give us all things? That's the nature of God. And I'm just going to say that if that's the nature of God, then there's something in us that cannot be fulfilled until we find a place of outreach and giving and finding something bigger than yourself. I'm just going to say that you have no idea if you look around the city of Circe how great of an impact this church could have if we all did what God called us to do. We could change the world in Circe. But I'm just saying find it. It could be the Dream Center. It could be Battered Women's Shelter. It could be the American Red Cross. It could be anything. Salvation Army. Where, Lord, you've created me to do something, and we're not going to be fulfilled until we find that something that is bigger than ourselves to do. And it can be small. Anybody watch Seinfeld? I watched a rerun of Seinfeld recently, and Jerry was talking about this girl he was going to date. And Elaine said, you can't date her. She's a giver. She's a giving person. He goes, well, I could date a giving person because I'm a taking person. And we need balance in the life. This, this creates balance in the relationship because every taker needs a giver. Well, that's a good Seinfeld story. It's just not good theology because there are marriages that are suffering because of a lack of giving. There are jobs and promotions that aren't having happening because somebody's only a taker. And in, in the natural, you think, well, I have a good reason not to give. If you only knew what that person did, I'm going to tell you, if you have that attitude, you'll never get anywhere. In God's view, there's always a reason. There's always one more reason to give in, to give, and it shall be given unto you. And I'm just saying that He wants our heart to change and for us to have a giving heart. Envy is really a battle with God. It's telling God, like that psalmist did, you're unfair. You gave everybody something more than me, and that's just unfair. You're looking at the things that you don't have instead of the blessings that you have and being thankful. Okay, so now I'm going to wrap this up with one scripture, and that is Psalm 73. Remember how honest the psalmist was? Remember that? It's not fair. He's almost screaming in the face of God. It's not fair. And it's so unfair that it almost made me slip and fall and die. That's how unfair it is. But aren't you glad that every psalm has a turn in it? He t- it tells the bad part, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, but let me tell you the, so let me tell you the, the other side of the mountain here. Psalm 73 and verse 15. He says this, If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. 
so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Look here. You can try to figure things out in your mind, but God put a spirit in you, and some things can only be understood in your spirit. And you need to come back to the sanctuary. You need to come back to the Father. You need to come back to the place where you met Him and just say, Lord, I know that I've taken my eyes off of you and what you've given me, and I've put it on things that I shouldn't have, and it's taken me places in my mind and maybe even beyond my mind in my actions that I should never have done and I'm away from you now. I just want to give us all an opportunity to get our spirit person right. If you would, just very quickly bow your heads with me. Lord, I just pray.